Welcome to the Hyper Guy Motivational Podcast. Thank you so much for being here today. I have an amazing guest. I've been trying to get this guest on for like probably a half a year now, um, but he's so busy. Uh, his name is Jason Williams, and Jason is a doctoral student in chemistry at UCLA. He's an amazing researcher. He'll tell you all about that. He has his uh, BS in chemistry. He's a bodybuilder. He doesn't like anyone to know that, but the guy is in great shape. And he's a Marine veteran. Thank you, Jason, for being here today. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm, I'm really glad I got the chance to, to come on today. No, thank you so much. I, I've been trying to get you on. It's, it's hard to get you get you tied down just because you've got so much going on in your life. And also, you're an amazing dad. So I know that's a real priority for you, too. So I, I appreciate that. So, okay, here we go. I'm going to go into, I, I kind of always start the same way. And everybody's kind of knows kind of my format is one of the things I always ask is, uh, where were you born and raised? So I grew up in Southern California. Um, I was born actually in, in Linwood, uh, but uh, we lived in Compton and uh, Los Angeles. And then moved to Anaheim when I was nine years old, uh, Anaheim Hills. And what was it like growing up? You said you grew up in Compton. Do you have any brothers and sisters? And what was the relationship like with your parents growing up? Jason, I think we broke it broke up there for yeah. a minute. Sorry. So what was the relationship like with your parents? And did you have any brothers and sisters growing up? Yeah, so my my dad had two kids when he was young when he was eighteen. Um, those are my my they were twins. Uh, my older brother and sister, uh, they moved in with with us uh, with my brother. Uh, my older brother moved in with us in Anaheim uh, when I was nine or ten years old. When he was like eighteen, nineteen years old, um, and uh, he basically you know was in and out of my parents' house for. Uh, you know, years after that, I kind of grew up with my brother, um, uh, Sharon Rosen, my older brother. Uh, he kind of helped uh, raise me in a lot of ways. Um, my parents, well, we had a we had a good relationship. Um, I was a mama's boy for the most part. Um, I had a I, I had a, a rocky relationship with my father, but um, you know, we're 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 uh, good friends, and um, I, you know, uh, we respect each other very very much nowadays. So. So what what were kind what were your your interests growing up like? Were you always good in school? No, um, <laughs> no, I'm a terrible student. I'm still terrible. I mean, I'm not a great student. Uh, I'm a good researcher, but I'm not really that great of a student. I was a uh, um, so when I moved to uh, Anaheim um, in the third grade, um, and, you know, I went from like a a, a pretty you know Hispanic, brown and black school in Los Angeles. Um, I actually went to Ascension. I don't know if you know a Catholic school, not not far from USC. Um, till I was in the, the second grade, third grade, second grade. In the third grade, um, I started in Anaheim, and I was one of the only black kids at the school. And, you know, before I moved to Anaheim, I was actually uh, very, uh, um, you know, I was like the ringleader, uh, always causing trouble, like really loud, talked a lot. Uh, but as soon as I moved to Anaheim, I kind of shut down and uh, I stopped I stopped talking. Um, I really didn't interact with 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 anybody. Um, I felt like a pariah, and um, you know, I felt like I was the only black kid at school. <laughs> so, um, and I did for for years. Uh, so I kind of like uh, I didn't. I can honestly like count on my hands, uh, both hands, 
the amount of times I've done ho homework in, in my lifetime, like before I went to college. Uh, I, but I did uh, spend a lot of time. Um, I had a godfather who uh, was, he used to fix the computers at Cal State Fullerton. He was a computer guy. And he gave me a computer, or he gave one to my parents, but I was the only one not to use it uh, when I was uh, nine years old. And so uh, I got a lot of... I Hmm. Are you back? Yes. Yeah, I, so I, I spent a lot of time um, just honestly trying to put games on the computer. Uh, so I learned, you know, I learned DOS and basic and that kind of thing. And um, uh, my favorite game was uh, Civilization, Sid Meier's Civilization. I don't know if you heard of it, but Civilization 1 and 2. Um, I was I was addicted to that game. I played it day and night, and um, I, I honestly believe that's where a lot of like um, not only my interest but uh, knowledge about the world and economics and math came from was just from uh, playing the strategy game. Uh, I was actually I was in the geography B twice, uh, and it was all due to this this uh, this game that I played. <laughs> so you went to the same school? Did you go to the same high school? Or did you go to a Catholic high school as well? Uh, I went to uh, yeah high school in uh, and oh, so I went to middle school in Anaheim um, and then uh, uh, but I got kicked out of middle school and I ended up uh, going to another middle school in Orange. Uh, then I I went to high school in Anaheim Hills at Canyon High School and I got kicked out because of my grades <laughs> uh, my junior year and I ended up at Richland Continuation High School where I graduated a year later like one time. But you know it's amazing to me because you, I. I kind of know a little bit of your story and every time I talk to you, I learn more and more about you. But so essentially I want to get this right in my head. You're a doctoral student at one of the best universities in the world in chemistry, but you graduated from a continuation high school. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. Yeah. I got a, like 1.2 GPA, I think total high school GPA. <laughs> so, so what were your kind of interests in high school? Did you play sports? When did you start getting into the physical part of it? I know you're in great shape right now. I know bodybuilding is one of your hobbies. When did you start getting into the fitness? Was that in high school at all? Or did you start doing that when you get to the military? And we'll get to that later. Okay. So, um, so like as I said, when I moved to Anaheim, um, I really, I didn't have a lot of, I didn't make a lot of friends. And uh, by the time I got into middle school, it became like bullying, like pretty bad. Uh, and I mean, I was bullied all the time, uh, every day. And, um, I think I was still playing football. Like, uh, um, I played, I played football from, uh, for five years, uh, played junior all American. And then I took a year off in middle school and then I played two years in high school before, you know, my GPA, they wouldn't allow me to play anymore. But, um, it was after my first year in high school. Uh, so uh, my brother, as I said, was living with me and he started getting into bodybuilding. He was living with uh, an NFL player like before he moved back. He moved out of my parents' house, moved back in. And before that, he was living with the NFL player who showed him how to bodybuild, like how to lift weights. And so he worked a uh, second shift and he would come home at nighttime, like 10 o'clock at night, take me to the gym, 24 hour fitness. I've just opened up and um, I would work out, um, you know, uh, like every day, every night, a couple hours, like every night uh um to like midnight one in the morning and then go to sleep wake up uh and it, it, this is the true story i went from i, I was really into uh weightlifting because you know it was the only thing that really uh 
that I really enjoyed doing is only I got to do it by myself. I didn't really I didn't really feel too comfortable being at home or at school. And this only time like where I really felt like, um, you know, I had time for myself. So uh, I, I took it very seriously. And um, I went from I went from bench pressing uh, 185 to 365 from uh, in a year um, from uh, 15 to 16 years old. I was I was the strongest guy at school. <laughs> and then so the bullying kind of stopped like after <laughs> and it didn't even like even after I was like even after I'd gotten strong, um, people were still messing with me until like one day uh, um, uh, some one of my friends, they had egged him on to mess with me and I, I, I beat the hell out of him. And nobody messes with me. <laughs> like, um, <laughs> so that that ended that that ended yeah. that. And then so um so you said, what were your so your high your high school hobbies was was bodybuilding? Was there anything else? And did you have any mentors? I know you mentioned your godfather. Was there any? Did you have any other other mentors growing up? What did your mom do? We just my 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 brother my older brother was uh, he got into uh, bench pressing a lot. Uh, he would he could bench he was bench pressing like five hundred pounds. Um, and so I was just kind of trying to chase him in, in the weightlifting. And also, uh, I, I spent a lot of, like, I was, I was kind of like the hustle, the hustler guy at school. Like I, I sold CDs, I sold software movies. Um, I had CD burners. Uh, I, I spent a lot of time doing that. I built websites. Uh, um, and yeah, that's kind of what I spent all my time doing, like on the computer or in the gym. It's amazing. Cause you said you weren't good in school but you had all these other hobbies and interests that you were very good at and we're almost like on the technical science side too which is end up, it's funny how you ended up going this direction so when you what was your goal when you left high school what did you want to do well i just wanted to get away from everything really like i was i didn't want to i was working um right out right out of high school i started working for a cell phone factory in San Diego. Um, and I was actually making decent money. Um, I was fixing cell phones, but uh, for, you know, 18 year old. Um, and, uh, but I was still staying around my parents. I didn't, and I just didn't want to be, I, I just wanted to get away from everything. I felt like I was like, I, I had, I felt like I was stuck. Like I, I should have been somewhere else. You know what I mean? Like I should be doing something else. So um, I actually, started talking to the recruiter the day after September 11th um, at my, at my uh, continuation school. Um, you know, before that, I used to make fun of her, and, you know, uh, like try to make fun of her, you know, talk about her. Um, uh, but after September 11th, I, just, I, I started talking to her seriously. And uh, I was in and out of the debt program um, for about a year while I was working this job. And then um, I decided to join, um, I think, maybe four months after I graduated high school, but I didn't end up leaving until another four months after that uh, because I, I wanted a specific job. Uh, I ended up doing a nuclear biological chemical defense, um, which seemed cool, sounded cool. That's, <laughs> you know, that's that's kind of why I wanted to do it. I was always interested in physics um, and, and well, really just physics, uh, um, atomic physics. And um, I always wondered, like I used to think to myself, like how Adams worked, and um, I figured this would be kind of a step in that direction, you know. If if I was ever going to um, to learn uh, science, then um, then this would, you know, kind of be a, a, a step in that in that direction. So, um, of course, you know, it had nothing. It had you know, it had a little bit to do with science, but it had more to do with uh, um, uh, warehousing 
uh, and um, uh, and teaching classes. I, I taught a lot of classes when I was in the Marine Corps. Um, so, so what was what was so you went into the Marine Corps? What was boot like? What was a boot camp for you? What was that boot like camp, for you? Boot camp was uh, a life life changing experience. Uh, it was, uh, it, it, it was, it, it was it was a lot. It was it was it was it wasn't like what anybody had told me it was going to be like. Um, but it was it was challenging, um, and I kind of appreciated that about it. Like I could see progress every day in um you know my ability to uh to handle my emotions and um my physical physical ability um uh, getting faster stronger every day um i was i was a fat recruit like i went on i went in overweight and a lot of that had to do with just because i had muscle mass but um so i was a diet recruit and um yeah i was you know dropping weight every week and um uh, it was really stressful. It was almost like like a dream, the whole process. Uh, but you know, I really appreciate. I really appreciated it. Um, I, I think it's probably one of the most helpful things um, I'd ever ever gone through. Um, it helped me like really. Uh, whenever I, I I go through any hard times in life, you know, nowadays I just kind of think back uh, with those times, boot camp, or maybe even like deployments to Iraq, and think that you know it's it's not so bad. Yeah, and that's uh, yeah, and I want to get I want to get to that. So, um, how long were you after boot camp? Um, you were de you were deployed. You did a couple of deployments um, in in war zones. And what countries did you end up going to? And what, what were those experiences like for you? Um, so I ended up going to Camp Fallujah twice. Um, I was well. It, what's really interesting is that I didn't. I didn't know that I was going to go to, I mean, we had an idea that we were going to go to war, but we invaded Iraq. Um, it was the second week I was in boot camp. Like we, they brought us all into the base theater and they showed us these uh, news clippings. And um, at that point we all knew we were going to go. So it's not like when I joined, I, I kind of knew that I, there was a possibility of deploying, but after that happened, like we all knew we were going to deploy. Anyway, um, uh, I deployed to Fallujah in 2004 uh, and in 2006, and I deployed the first time for um, eight months, and the second time for nine months. And what was that experience like for you when you got there? And when so, you think, when you think back at those times, I mean, were you scared? What I mean, how did you deal with the stress? And I'm I'm sure that there's people that you knew that lost their lives, or people that you know know people that have lost their lives. What was that like for you? That experience for you? So when I got to the fleet, um, as soon as I got to the fleet, um, I, I went to, when I joined our shop, there was only one other person in our shop, uh, Lance Corporal Chaparro. Um, and uh, he was getting ready to deploy. Like every like half the unit was getting ready to deploy. Um, I was in 9th Communications Battalion. It was the largest battalion in the Marine Corps at the time. I don't know if it still is, but um, they, were, they were doing back-to-back -back deployments because they were the only comm battalion in the Marine Corps that was actually ready to deploy. To deploy. So um, it was a really stressful place to be. Um, and I just remember everybody being stressed out. Everybody had already deployed in my, in my battalion for like the invasion or like the, the, the subsequent deployment. And um, it was just something that everybody was, it seemed like, like a really dreadful place to be <laughs> based on, you know, uh, um, what I was hearing from everybody else. And uh, so when I got out there, uh, you know, as we stayed in Kuwait, I think for a week 
uh, before we flew into Iraq. And uh, I think, no, the first time we went out there, we convoyed uh, to, to through Iraq. And then we took, uh, we took a helicopter into uh, Fallujah. But um, yeah, no, I was scared as hell. Um, from the time that we took our helicopter ride into Fallujah, like we had to do, uh, I guess, like combat drops or whatever. So like we dropped altitude really fast and that was, that scared the hell out of me. And then as soon as we landed and got off and, and uh, staged all of our gear and went to the chow hall, um, I was walking to the chow, uh, actually I was walking to the shower and um, I freaking saw a rocket <laughs> flying through the sky um, next to me. And um, I mean, not next to me, but you know, up, uh, uh, I heard a crackling, saw a rocket. It was a three rocket volley. And that, and I remember after that, like, I was really scared. But then after that, like, I just thought to myself, you know, well, <laughs> if I'm going to die, it's going to, it's just going to happen. There's nothing I can do about it. So worrying about it really isn't going to, to, to do anything for me. And I think I kind of just got over it. That helped me get over it pretty quickly. Just the, 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 um, just the shock that I'd had for that, like four to six hours before that and up to that point, um, really, uh, help settle me in. So I, I was, I was fine after that. Um, my second deployment, I was actually, uh, I had two jobs. I did hazmat and I was a, a, a quick responder. So, uh, for, for MHG, uh, Marine headquarters group. So anytime anything bad on base happened, I had to be there. We had like sirens on our, on our Humvee and, um, we would help coordinate, you know, like emergency services. Uh, uh whenever people were, were injured outside the gate, we, uh, um, we uh, uh, chaperone them to uh, uh, the, the medics and or the medical tents, and uh, yeah, that was that was pretty stressful. But it was so fast paced that um, you know I didn't really have time to think about how like being scared. Well, let me ask you this: like when you had when you did respond to someone and you saw somebody injured or somebody had a significant injury or somebody died, how did you process that being so young? And what did you learn from that experience? Well, I think so. The first, so that was the second time I was in Iraq. The first time I was in Iraq is when I kind of started dealing with uh, death. And um, so I was in Camp Fallujah. Um, I got there maybe three or four weeks before uh, Operation Phantom Fury, which was the, the assault on Fallujah. And um, We'd already had a couple of people in my battalion uh, that are in headquarters company that that one one was killed in the last deployment. We had another dude that died in an accident um, just a few weeks before, a couple of weeks before Phantom Fury, not too long after we got there. And um, uh, then we had this this uh, this you know war going on. I, I wasn't there. I was uh, I went I I went to the city. Uh, just before, just a couple days before the invasion, to hand out gas masks, um, and they were doing, a, I guess they were doing the a subsonic. I mean, supersonic. Uh, um, like the jets were flying over the city. I guess it was some type of like a, um, it's a, a psychological operation um, to, with the sonic booms and stuff. And um, yeah, I, I gave a couple of claps. Just basically showed a lot of guys how to use the gas mask. 
And um, then I got out of there. But um, I remember for, for the next week or so, you just see freaking just, it was like Star Wars. Like, I mean, we were not maybe two miles outside of the city and just, you know, lights, uh, just, they were just lighting that place up. And, uh, but when I was doing the, uh, the, the chaperoning for the uh, uh, for the wounded um, Marines, I didn't really I didn't really see them very often. They were in the ambulance, and we just kind of brought them uh, uh, to where they were were treated. And um, most I don't think when I was there the second time, uh, I don't think we had many injuries. I don't think we, I don't remember actually any injuries from the incoming rocket or mortar fire. So. Um, I didn't see anybody uh, hurt when I when I showed up to those. What when you think about your military time? What kind of like leadership skills or skills did the military give you, or you developed that helped you in your current career, like bring you to where you're at now? It seems like you like seems like you've always been motivated. It seems like you're very very highly intelligent. Honestly, to me, in my own assessment, listening to the interview, is that that it sounds like you were probably pretty bored in school because there was nothing interesting going on. And so you were doing all these other interesting things. Um, so what was the military's in, like impact on you? Well, I think as far as you know, classes were concerned or like academics, um, I remember our, 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 so when I was in NBC school, uh, that was the first time I really ever had to study. And, um, you know, we had like group study sessions, things like that. And that, that kind of um, um, helped me with the academics. But uh, as far as leadership, um, hmm. well, all right. So, so, so I was in a unique position um, because our, our battalion was deploying so, so often. They were the only comp battalion that was ready to deploy in the Marine Corps. Um, they kind of uh, shuttled all of our all of the billet spots outside of nuclear, biological, and chemical defense. Um, NBC that was you know uh, where I worked, and they actually have a, their own acronym for NBC, uh, which is like nobody cares. So they moved all of the staff outside of NBC, and it was just me and another Lance Corporal uh, for you know until I left. We they they would send sergeants in every once in a while that were processing out, but um, to keep an eye on us. But uh, we really we should have had, you know, like a warrant officer, a couple staff NCOs, you know, NCOs, but it was just, you know, me and Chaparro. So another Lance Corporal until uh, we picked up Corporal. But um, so I was in this unique position where I had a $3 million account. And I mean, after Chaparro left, uh, when I first got to the fleet, uh, I was the only person in this warehouse. I had to take care of shelf life inventory. I had, you know, $3 million account. I actually got, uh, um, got in trouble like I, cause you know, I didn't, I wasn't uh, reporting my gear properly. Like they read me my rights and everything. <laughs> um, it, I was, you know, at this, all this responsibility. So, um, so I actually, I got to the point where I, I actually got the inventory under control for the first time in years. Like we had staff in ZOs before that really just ran the place into the ground. And, um, and I, I fixed it. Um, I also put together, um, uh, a series of, of, uh, classes, PowerPoints, and um, I had a, a recon team that, that I put together. I put a, together a training, a training, a two-week training uh, a program for the recon team for a decon, a decontamination team. 
Uh, and I had a series of lectures for, uh, they have required training for NBC. Uh, every you know, Marine has to go through it uh, annually, uh, which includes the gas chamber. Uh, and uh, so I also got to do the gas chamber for a lot of uh, other groups that, that, that either didn't have NBC people or, um, you know, weren't ready for whatever reason. Um, so I was doing, uh, you know, the, the gas chamber, right? The mass confidence chamber. I was doing those probably once every week or two. Um, and I also got to do the midshipmen, which is really cool when they came to Camp Pendleton. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so so I was running, you know, I was running $3 million uh, uh, account. Um, I was teaching classes. I think altogether I had over 700 hours of instruction while I was in the Marine Corps. Um, so yeah, that, that definitely helped, uh, a lot. And honestly, like, I'm still not back to where I was then when it comes to teaching classes and, you know, uh, um, but, uh, I'm getting back, I'm, I'm regaining that confidence. And then, and then, so what happened, uh, you went, okay. So you went from, uh, how long, how many years were you in the military? Then how did you transition to school and doing all these other amazing things you've been doing? So I was in the Marines for four years. Uh, I got out in, uh, March uh 9th 2007 and i was in school march 12th 2007. um so i, I got into uh, a short term two short-term classes um you know like the half term and uh, short intensive classes uh at fullerton college and uh yeah i was i was in school three days after i got out of the marine corps i got out on a friday i was in school on monday um and I was, I was actually, I was a real estate agent at the time. So I was doing that. Um, I had, my daughter was nine months old. Uh, well, she was born in October, uh, 2006. So what's that? Seven, seven months old. Uh, and I was married. I'd been married for three years at that point. And a uh, real estate agent taking classes full time. And I did that for uh, a couple of years uh, until uh, I, I got I got out with an AA in economics, and then I went to uh, San Francisco State University shortly after that. Um, and what did you what did you oh before we get on before we uh, go into that I forgot to ask you. Uh, I know there was a story you brought up before Fort Carson. Okay, you guys, so you, I guess, have to, you, have, you have to tell me that story before we move on. <laughs> okay, so this kind of ties into where I was going with this. So uh, I went to San Francisco State. I changed my degree to chemistry because I figured, you know, um, I could learn economics in books. What can I do that I can't do anywhere else? In, anywhere else, um, you know, I guess I could learn chemistry at home, but um, the FBI doesn't take too kindly to home chemistry sets. So, <laughs> so I, I decided to, to. It was a middle science. I figured uh, it was the most useful industrially, like you know, in industry. So I figured I'd learn. You know, I'd get into chemistry. I like science in general. So chemistry seemed like, um, uh, you know, the the most beneficial uh, science for me to learn. Uh, but after my first year in school, uh, I did terrible. Oh, I did great my first uh, semester. But my second semester I didn't do so well when uh, I had to take organic chemistry too. Uh, on top of that, uh, my family was still living in Southern California, and the plan was for them to move up with me uh, in in the fall. I mean, in the spring uh, after I got established and stuff. But um, my wife ended up, my ex-wife ended up getting a job and staying down there, so that was kind of a drag. And uh, after that, that uh, that spring semester, I ended up coming back home and not going back. So I dropped out of school. 
uh, and that was in 2009, I think, summer 2009. Then I went back. After that, I started living with her. Uh, I went back to school at Orange Coast College for a semester. Uh, couldn't, I got failed out. Uh, I went to Cal State Fullerton after that for a semester, uh, failed my classes. And then um, I dropped out again for the second time the next summer from Cal State Fullerton. Uh, and after that, uh, um, I, uh, I, I, I started having flashbacks um, and it kind of threw, I, I kind of lost touch with reality for a while. I had un, undiagnosed PTSD. Uh, you know, I, I, I didn't, I didn't realize that I had a, an issue, you know, I was just kind of chugging along after I got out of the Marine Corps and, um, and uh, I was doing well until I wasn't, you know, and, uh, but I, I, what I, what I, I was drinking every day, which I thought was normal, you know, because I kind of did that in the Marines too. Uh, but, uh, you know, uh, that, that ended up catching up with me. And uh, after I lost, after I come back from, to down to reality, um, I was, I was divorced. Uh, I lost my car. I mean, I evicted. Um, I was, uh, my car was repossessed and um, I was <clears throat> living with my parents. Uh, but for, and I, did, I was I was there for for a couple of years, um, and then, well, I ended up going to jail uh, for assault. And uh, while I was in jail, uh, I started looking for places to, to stay because I didn't really feel welcome at my parents' house anymore. Uh, my cousin, who was in the army at the time, told me he had a place for me to stay uh, before I went to jail. Uh, I wrote him when I was in jail, and uh, he wrote me back. Uh, saying that, yeah, sure, you can come up here when, when you get out. And so after I got out, I was only there for, for a month. Um, I was I, missed, I eventually uh, uh, pled guilty to resisting arrest, but <laughs> um, but I was uh, but I went to I flew out to Colorado where he was stationed at. And then when I got there, I found out that he didn't have a place for me to stay, <laughs> that he was getting separated out of the army. And um, but uh, coincidentally, his roommate had um, had just been kicked out of, the, out of the army and uh his room was still open unoccupied so uh so he picked me up from the airport and took me back to 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 his barracks in fort carson uh where i lived for the next two months two and a half months um and uh at the time i had uh very i had well what my cousin likes to refer to as bum locks <laughs> like, you know, after I had lost my mind <laughs> the, the couple years before that, um, I, I just stopped caring about everything, you know, um, and my hair was, was grown out. I looked, you know, I, I looked like a, I looked like I was homeless. And um, I guess essentially I was when I was in Fort Carson, <laughs> um, you know, sneaking into the, the and they had a they had a guard shack. Like at the, at, it was like an apartment complex, kind of like a brick building apartment complex where they had like two bedroom apartments all throughout. And uh, they had a guard guard duty shack like in the entrance. So I had to either I had to get past this guard duty shack every time I had to go in, in and to and out of my room, which was a lot like, you know, it was like being in, it was like being in jail again. Um, but, yeah, no, I was I was uh, I did that for a couple of months. Um, I got caught one time. They had an emergency. Uh, they had some emergency drill. And um, two uh, uh, staff NCOs uh, came into my room. They opened it up like in the middle of the night. And they're like, get up. <laughs> when I got up, they were like, what the hell? <laughs> they saw my hair. And then I, I cut my hair like shortly after that. And uh, um, 
we ended up when he got separated out, uh, we ended up getting a place uh, right off base. But yeah, that was the Fort Carson story. <laughs> and let me, I'm sorry, so I know you kind of, man, I, I didn't realize I, we had, you had shared some parts of your life with me, but this is uh, very interesting. So you really have like, you've had a lot, a lot, of, you had some real points of your life where you had some difficult struggles. When you think back on those times when you said you, you didn't realize you had PTSD and you started drinking and you, you were homeless for a while. And when you think back on those times, what do you think got you to the, got you through that to, to where you're at now? You're so successful now. And I mean, it's just an amazing journey you've had. What, what do you think brought you through that? I would say I didn't want to let my daughter down. I feel like I've probably been like I'm, you know, uh, it, when when whenever whenever things got really tough, uh, I used, I would always just think that my daughter needs me, and so um, I feel like that's what kept me going forward. Um, I never wanted her to to, you know see me in you know a, a weak position so um so you know when i was in car when i when I, I part of me moving away uh was was that you know i was just in such a weak place that i didn't want my daughter to see me like that anymore you know and it was when i was out in colorado that um i got to a point where um i wasn't seeing my daughter anymore um i was i didn't even feel like like communicating with her because I, I just was so ashamed of myself. So uh, I did what I, so I started doing what, what I did in high school, you know, um, when I, when I felt like I was at my bottom, I started working out again. And, um, and I, I figured if I could just do this, this one thing, uh, well, you know, I can build myself back up, you know, I can get the confidence to know that I can do something, you know? And so uh, I think, and then from that point, the, the lifting weights, and working out really kind of took over my life and for, for the next couple of years. Um, uh, yeah. So I think that's, that's really, it was my, my daughter and, and, and really, uh, weightlifting. Yeah. Focusing on, focusing on like your fitness is so important to your mental health. It builds confidence and, you know, it makes you feel good. You know, it gives you that, that confidence that you can feel like you can do any, everything. So, so let me ask you this. So how did you get into the, you're an amazing researcher. So we have to hear this story about how you got to be such a good researcher and then how you ended up getting your, your, your bachelor's of science in chemistry and then getting into one of the top doctoral programs in the, in the world. How did that happen? Okay. So, uh, so like I said, I was, I started lifting weights. Um, I got in, I got in really good shape. <laughs> uh, and, uh, uh, I was doing that for a couple of years and that, but, and that's all I was doing. You know, um, I was in the gym sometimes twice a day, every day. Uh, and, uh, it was at, at one point, um, I was staying back at my parents' house and my cousin who was an engineering student, uh, he, he came over to visit and he brought his homework with him and, uh, he had his calculus homework out on the laid out on the table. And I was just looking at it and I was like, you know, this is really interesting. This is it's kind of fun. It's a lot of fun. It, it seems like a lot, a lot more fun than, you know, uh, than a lot of other things that, that I've been doing over the past few years. So uh, it was right then and there that, that I decided I was going to jump into a calculus class. And I did 
jump into like a short spring term calculus class at Santiago Canyon College. And I did really well. Um, so, uh, and then after that, uh, I took a summer class, calculus two, I did well. Um, and then I took the following, the fall, I took calculus three, kept you know moving up the ladder. I didn't do so well in calculus three, <laughs> but um, the next spring semester, uh, I figured since I knew all this calculus, you know, um, I take a shot at, at physics again. And I did so well in physics that they offered me a job at the school, you know, t tutoring for physics. So, uh, so once, so once I got that in, um, I reapplied for, you know, voc rehab. So I had that coming in and I was working. Um, and to me, honestly, like it, 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 it reconnected me back with my days in the Marine Corps from teaching classes. Um, yeah, I got to be a mentor to all these kids. Uh, I felt really good about that. It, And so when, so when you, uh, so then what got you into this? So it's amazing because it seems like you've always been good in the sciences. It's just a, it's a matter of, you just had so much going out on outside your life. Like you said, you had PTSD, you had all these other things going on. And then once you refocus down and like focusing on your fitness and focusing on your mission, which was to help your daughter, everything's kind of came together for you. When did you, when did you figure out that you start you were good at researching and how did you get into i you mentioned to me that you got good in doing one type of research and then how did that kind of um grow into you getting into the doctoral program right because you went from your you had your bachelor's in science and then you went to a doctoral program so you didn't get a master's you went right to the big you went to the big the big time how did that happen so okay so um after you know doing uh the uh, uh working with the school for a couple of years, tutoring and doing SI, uh, I, uh, you know, I, I basically treated it as a job. I, I didn't expect to go anywhere with it. Uh, my grades were horrendous from, from going in and out of school, like over the years. Uh, um, so, but after taking so many classes, they basically kicked me out and said I'd go move on. So that's when I applied to Cal State Dominguez Hills. And when I, when I got there, um, I wanted to do research. Uh, when I, I was calling up to the school trying to see, hey, how can I get a research position? Nobody returned my call. So I figured I would just be, you know, a, a high school chemistry teacher. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but that's what the goal that I was, that I, that I had in mind. Um, when I showed up for orientation, um, I was the only chemistry student that showed up. So I got to talk to the chair of chemistry directly. And um, she asked me, you know, what are your plans? And I said, oh, I'm going to be a high school chemistry teacher. She's like, you don't want to do research? I was like, yeah, sure, I'll do research. <laughs> How do I get into that? And then she said, well, what do you want to do? And um, she said, do you like, uh, you know, do you like uh, doing bench work? It's like, yeah, I like bench work. I like, you know, using my hands. And she said, do you like drugs? I'm like, heck, yeah, I like drugs. <laughs> so uh, then she, she said, oh, I got somebody perfect for you, Dr. Still. And uh, it was really sneaky how I kind of got into the lab. Um, because uh, with my GPA, I, I, he definitely wouldn't have took me, uh, taken me in um, if he knew what my GPA was, was up front. But um, so I, I, I stalked out who he was. I went up like to near his office and I just kind of stood outside of his office for a couple hours until uh, um, uh, he came. He went to the bathroom. He saw me looking at one of his posters and he's like, oh, is that interesting to you? And I was like, yeah. And then, you know, he took me in, uh, quizzed me. I passed his, his little test that he had and then I was in the lab. So uh, so I I. I so because of the matriculation agreement that they had at Cal State Dominguez Hills, um, I, none of my science classes that I'd taken over the years counted um, because I hadn't taken them all at one, one school together. So I had to, I, so I had to start all over again um, from, you know, uh, 
I actually started from calculus two. I had to take all my physics classes, all my chemistry classes, everything. So I was there for four years, but I was in this, but since I was doing research, um, I got into this program uh, called uh, RISE, which is a, a federally funded um, program uh, to, uh, uh, to help uh, uh, um, historically underrepresented uh, you know, uh, populations uh, get into research. And so I was getting paid to do research. Um, and so I, I, it took me enough, like I said, I had to take all my classes over again. So I was there doing paid research for four years, which really put me out of the curve. Um, I think most graduate students, when they get into these programs, you know, they, they only have, you know, most maybe a year, a year and a half of research, but I already had four years under my belt. I trained other uh, students. And again, for me, this was a, like a job. I never expected to get into a PhD program. Um, I was just working and, uh, and I was enjoying it. You know, um, so Jason, I, I, Jason, what kind, what kind of stuff were you researching? And did you work for, did you work for a company like a pharmaceutical company, or like did you work for university? Uh, well, I worked for all right. So I, I worked in uh, natural products uh, uh, research uh, or uh, drug discovery, which is uh, so the first three years uh, when I was working with Dr. Still, we were doing, um, uh, we were looking for uh, anti-cancer drugs uh, specifically for uh, um, for brain cancer. Uh, from from plants, so uh, uh, nat in natural products chemistry, uh, we basically uh, we make plant extracts, fungal extracts, uh, uh, extra microbial extracts, and we we uh, we do bioassays against uh, different um, targets, uh, drug targets, or uh, say against uh, cancer cells, and then we try to uh, to to identify the compounds that are responsible for hitting those targets or for, uh, you know, um, killing the cancer cells. So uh, it's a lot of, um, it's a lot of separation and um, identification uh, science. So uh, that's, that's, that's basically what I did for, for four years. I, I, I spent most of my time on um, doing a nuclear magnetic resonance, um, uh, mass spectro spectrometry, um, HPLC, uh, high performance liquid chromatography. Uh, and uh, I spent a lot of time playing with solvents, making extracts. Um, so, uh, so yeah, it's basically just looking for medicines from nature. And, and, and how do you like it? It seems like it's a real passion for you. When you talk about it, you're like, you light up because you're so interested in research. Um, how do you like doing the research? And what, what do you think just uh, ignites that passion in you with regards to research? Well, I always, I always kind of liked the idea of making, of like, uh, making something from nothing, you know, um, and in chemistry and, and drug discovery, you know, um, it's, it's like, you know, you can just go outside and, and, and snatch something up and, you know, you got, you have something that's, you put a little bit of effort into it and you have something very valuable that you can pull out of it. Um, and, uh, I think that's also the novelty, you know, looking at something that nobody's ever looked at before, uh, looking at it in a new, in a new way, um, to me, uh, it just, that's, that it just, I don't know that, that, that's it. That's, that's really what it's, I don't, I don't know. It's, it, it's, it's great. I like, I really just like the, the novelty of it all. Um, just maybe having thoughts or ideas that nobody else has had before you know and and, it, and it's it's interesting to me also because it also fits into your whole 
the other thing that drives you when I was thinking about passions, because you're like into so much into fitness and health. And then, and then this is kind of an extension of that passion, right? Because you're yeah. looking for ways to improve health and you're looking at nature, like, uh, like things in nature to improve health and to improve medicine. So when you applied for the doctoral program in chemistry at UCLA, what was that process like for you? Uh, well, I, I didn't think, like I said, I didn't think I was going to get into any of PhD programs. And um, part of the, the requirement of being in the program that I was in, uh, RISE, was that we applied to 10 uh, different PhD programs. Um, I only ended up applying to five. <laughs> but, uh, uh, you know, this whole time that I was in the program, like I wasn't doing great in my classes. Like I, I kept, I, I was having problems throughout um, uh, those years while I was in. Uh, at Cal State Dominion Seals. So I, I came in with, I, I didn't have the best GPA. So uh, I, 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 was, I, I was waiting for the time uh, where, when I would, would apply for the PhD programs. I was just, I was waiting for the past three, for the three years prior to that, to the time where I would have to let everybody down and let them know that I didn't get any, to, into any of the PhD programs. But um, I put a lot of time and effort into my personal statement uh, because for me, it was almost therapeutic kind of going back because I'd never really thought about where it came from before, you know, and just kind of going back and thinking about, um, uh, like what drove me to the, to, to get to that point. Uh, it, it really just helped, helped me like, uh, you know, figure out where I was, um, uh, in my life. And so I put a lot of effort into that. And, you know, from what they told me when I got into UCLA, uh, they told me that I wrote my, my way into the school. So um, not only that, but uh, I, I had a uh, I was lucky enough to uh, to 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 uh, apply for an electron microscopy program um, just a couple years prior prior to that. Like right after I got to the right after I got into the Rise program and started doing research, um, I decided you know I always wanted to see what atoms looked like. So I went and applied for electron uh, microscopy summer program, and everybody thought you know why are you why are you doing this? It has nothing to do with chemistry or drugs, but I just want to see what atoms look like, you know? And, um, uh, and luckily, uh, when I was applying for at UCLA, there was a, a, a professor at UCLA, very distinguished professor, Jose, Jose Nelson, who had come across my application and actually, you know, walked through the process for me. He's the one that got me into the school. Uh, and it was because we were working on this new high throughput method of identifying natural products using electron microscopes. Um, and, you know, you can actually find videos of my line saying that he was looking for organic chemists that knew how to use electron microscopes. Um, and this was, this isn't a small project. It was, he's at Caltech now, but um, this isn't a small project. It was a breakthrough of the year um, in science uh, in 2019. So, uh, so yeah, I, so, you know, serendipitously, I had done the electron microscopy program. I was applying as a natural products chemist, and um, I, you know, I was a perfect fit for this uh, for this project. So that's what that's what got me into this to UCLA. And then what's what's this doctorate, this doctoral program at UCLA been like for you? As it is, is this continued that journey? You're still doing research at the same time, and I think some people don't understand when you're a doctoral student. You actually work for the university. You you actually take classes and you're doing the research, and sometimes you teach classes. I know you've got and you're doing some work at Caltech as well. I know. Um, 
how's that process been like what's that been like for you and and you said you're doing are you still focusing on trying to find cancer medications okay so um the process has been it's it's been a lot um every day has been a new challenge has brought new challenges uh so so like i said uh the the professor that had initially re recruited me jose nelson he he went to caltech before i even became a student um before i enrolled at, Cal at ucla now if he would have waited to take the position after then i would have ended up at caltech instead of ucla but um uh he the person that he was he was doing this this project for the electron microscopes is a joint project with another professor at ucla uh yi tang whose lab i work in at ucla uh yi tang uh, specializes in synthetic biology and um where they basically uh they work on taking genes from uh different organisms and putting them into engineered like microbial platforms in order to make those drugs for cheaper uh, so basically, you know, the idea is that you can take uh, genes from, say, a plant, um, you know, for uh, a certain drug, and then you can put it, you can transport those genes into a microbe um, to have that microbe make that drug uh, by basically for much faster, much faster than, than you know, waiting for a plant to grow and, and making an extract from a plant. And you can make it in much greater yields. So, um, you know, the, 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 uh, the goal is to basically get um, to build these organisms where all you have to do is basically feed them, you know, water and sugar and some nutrients, and then they can make drugs for you on a daily basis. Um, That's so amazing. Did I answer the question? What was the question? Yeah, yeah, abs yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. I mean, I think, I think, and so, so right now you're working on like you said, creating medications and trying different natural elements uh, from the world, experimenting with them to see what kind of medications can come out of it. And so, all right, yeah. sorry. So I, I I went off track. So I talked about all right. So, um, but my my project between Yutang and, and so what I do is I'm still kind of doing the same thing. I'm I'm isolating, identifying compounds, and uh, which isn't a trivial matter. Like it's 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 not easy to um, you know uh, to it, to Take a complex extract. You know, each each of these extracts they have thousands of compounds in them, and to be able to I, like like purify just one of them and then identify it uh, uh, from scratch, it, it takes a lot of effort. Uh, I, I remember I read a paper uh, not too long ago. Uh, I, I don't I don't have the uh, I forgot where I read it, but they said the average amount of time uh, it takes to isolate and identify one unknown compound from an extract is three months, and the cost of fourteen thousand dollars. So, um, so yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's a specialty, you know, and it's, it's a thing that, that I'm good at, uh, but the project that we have between Yi Ting's lab and, and Caltech is to be able to identify these compounds, uh, for, uh, much, much more rapidly than that. So the platform that we've uh, come up with, uh, uh, we can now identify, uh, as many as 10, 15 compounds in a single day. Uh, wow. We can identify a single unknown compound in 30 minutes um, wow. using electron microscopy. And um, we can't necessarily talk about the specifics of it, but um, our goal is to be able to hit uh, 500 compounds a month uh, by the end of uh, the year. And then 
in the next two or three years, we want to get to like 5,000 compounds, be able to identify 5,000 compounds a month. And this so, is all, and this is all, this is all not only to identify them, but to, to see if they can be used in medications. Um, well, the first step, life-saving medication. So, well, yeah, the first step is to be able to identify the compound, though, you know, uh, and once we can identify it, then, uh, then, you know, we know what we're testing when we, when, when we, uh, put in a bioassay. So, uh, I mean, we know, we know what, uh, because I mean, you could do a bioassay with an extract and it could work, but if you can't identify with the, the compound that's in it, then, you know, that's not, you can't make a pharmaceutical or you can't, um, you know, you, you can't, you can't really, you can't really just use, uh, um, I mean, you could, but, but nobody's going to, you know, pharmaceutical industry, they, they, uh, they put money into single compounds, you know, so you need to have an, a single compound, uh, an extract, uh, isn't, doesn't work. So let me ask you this. If you had to give advice to somebody, you know, you know, the, the what advice would you give them? What would the, the older version of Jason give the younger version of Jason in terms of advice? Um, you're so successful at what you're doing and, there's so many trials that you've been through, Jason. You've had a very uh, interesting life. You've had some difficult times and you're so successful now. And that's one of the things I love about this podcast. It has amazing people that have just kind of, they've had this journey where they've just progressed and just, they've overcome difficult times to become successful. What advice would you give to somebody that, to, to get into fitness or to get into the sciences? Um, I would say, I would say like, I think the best advice I, I could give myself or any other person um, that was uh, would be just to get really good at one thing, like just pick one thing, be the best at it, because once you learn how to get good at one thing, like you learn, you, you can kind of take that other places, you know, um, uh, and you get the confidence to know that you can be good at something, you know, so I, I think that that would be probably the number one thing, just just pick a thing. Get as good as you can at it, especially if it's something that you're already kind of naturally talented at. You don't have to be professional. Just you know, build your confidence up, and then you can take that those skills uh, into other categories in your life. If you could be one superhero, who, what superhero would that be? Uh, Beast. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> if you could, if you could meet one person in your life, and it could be any time in history, who would that be, and who, what would you say to them? One person, any time in history, ah, Lord, that's tough. Um, hmm. Let's pick one. I guess I don't know. I like I like Malcolm X. <laughs> I guess. What, uh, what would you I, say? What would you ask? I would ask. Him? I would ask him for advice on um, how, how, like, how I should proceed through my PhD program. <laughs> And uh, what's your guilty pleasure food-wise? Because you're like fitness dudes, so I got to see what this one is. I like Danishes. I, I eat them more often than I should. <laughs> they don't milk cookies. <laughs> um, what's the best thing about being a dad? Uh, it's an anchor. When my daughter's like my anchor. It reminds, lets me know who I am. You know, reminds me who I am. Uh, sometimes, you know, you get off in the world and kind of, you know, you get caught up in other things. You kind of, you know, forget who you, you are. But my daughter has always been my anchor. She always kind of brings me back to who I really am. My, you know, her father. And, and what do you love about your daughter most? Um, <laughs> I, 
I well she 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 likes she likes all the music I like. She likes uh, movies. She's a lot like me, so I guess I don't know. I guess that's kind of selfish to say that, but she's a lot like me, and I guess I, I kind of like that. <laughs> and and then um, when you're no longer on this earth, what do you want to be remembered for? Um, I guess I don't know. I feel like I'm pretty a pretty, pretty, pretty tolerant person or, um, accepting and open. Like, I, I, I guess just for that, I, I'm not easily like embarrassed or, you know, I don't take things too personally. Um, I think, yeah, maybe just, uh, just my, my, my openness and willing to, to share, you know? Well, I, I just want to tell you, thank you so much for being here. I, I know that you're super, super busy, Jason. And I can, I, and every time I speak with you, you're always doing, discovering new things and you're 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 so dedicated to to what you do and you're such a, a good dedicated father and um i'm just very appreciative that you took the time today to do the interview and to come on the podcast and uh and you have to keep us up to date on all the wonderful things that you're doing and thank you so much for what you do, you're doing for medicine and uh for the future of um, different medications that you're going to be producing to to help us live longer and more healthy lives. So thank you so much for being here today. I appreciate you. Thanks. It's been my pleasure. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And if you like the podcast, welcome. Uh, just go ahead and give us thumbs up. And looking forward to hear from uh, from you in, in regards to what your feedback is. And you know what? We're going to have other great guests. And in the, in the meantime, keep learning. And thank you so much for being here. God bless and take care. Until next time.